And so I went from literally selling lawnmowers at Lowe's to now back at the, with a seat at the table. Not only that, the platform, Randy's platform. And then that's when the film came out. I, I shot the film, film comes out and boom. And I spent the next eight years of my life traveling the globe. Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Becoming Men podcast. This episode is brought to you by thebecomingmen.com. I'm your host, Ray De La Nuez, and this is the podcast for men on their masculine journey. Today, I'm joined by Will Hart. Will, in 1999, walked into the basement of a church not knowing why he was there and walked out a completely different man that would go on to travel the world into countries that I promise you probably don't even know how to pronounce into places that you've never even heard of and impact people's lives through the Holy Spirit and did that again and again and again to now being the CEO of Iris Global Ministry with more than 88 locations around the world, more than 400 missionaries and just literally changing lives by the tens of thousands. So guys, I'm super excited for you guys to hear my conversation with Will Hart. Will, I first, before anything, I have to normalize you for the guys who are listening, okay? Because there's going to be a tendency to want to like keep you on a high horse and like keep you as a figure, you know, that we can never uh, become like, because you've done so many awesome things. So I just want to ask you real quick. I've never started a podcast like this, by the way. Um, And just because I have a little ADD, you have an awesome beard. Um, (laughs) I have a lot of ADD too. (laughs) My friend, have you ever fatigued? Do you fatigue? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent all the time. Do, do you doubt? Doubt what? Doubt. Just does doubt ever come into your mind? I doubt. I've doubted my faith. I've doubted my calling. I've doubted my marriage decisions. I've doubted my, my job. I've doubted everything. Yeah. Okay. You're pulling it all out. Hey, you're saying it. Okay. Um, do you ever feel like you are not enough? All the time. Wow. Okay. I, I think right there that that is enough to be able to bring you down to our level um, and be able to chat, man, because uh, it's it's going to be tempting, uh, guys. I want to be able to pull out so much uh, from this conversation with uh, with Will. But Will, before we hop into it, man, if you could go back, talk to yourself for one minute okay. in your early twenties, right? Like, let's say you're like twenty two. Mm-hmm. Imagine you got that guy in your head. You can't punch him so. yet. You wouldn't talk to him. What would you okay. say to him? You got one minute and you'll disappear. Uh, I would say uh, you are going to, I was married at 21. So you're going to have the most amazing kids. You're going to do more than you ever dreamt dreamt of. Um, Don't travel as much. Um, Spend more time with your family and, uh, and, and value education more than you have. Don't travel as much. Where's that coming from? You gotta, you just kind of got to go back to where, where it all began. I, yeah. I got into the itinerant lifestyle pretty at a young age. So I became okay. a missionary at 17, got saved at 17, six months later, moved to Paraguay. Um, and yes, I do speak Spanish brother. This we can do awesome. a multi. You want to do Portuguese? Quiero falar português também. No. Oh man. Well. Okay. We got a lot to talk about, my friend. Okay. Yeah. So missionary um, early on. Yeah. What was the question? Paraguay. You were the one talking. Oh man, guys, the ADD is coming in. Okay. You're talking to your, your story. Itinerant. Itinerant. Like you st- yes. early on. Travel. Started Why, hitting, would, yep, would I travel, travel less? Yep. Um. So uh, like like 
so single life got called, um, and all the dreams, all the vision for what God was had for my life, got married, moved onto the missions field for three years in Africa, started having kids out there. When I came back, that's when things started to really explode in my life. I did a movie called furious love. Um, and that went global. Uh, all of a sudden I had invitations everywhere. And at the peak, I was traveling about 220 days out of the year with a uh, young family. Yeah. And so there's this mix, right? And I think a lot of dudes, they, they face this, right? So the, the call, the, the, the gifting on their life and the open doors, how do you balance open doors with maintaining a healthy family? That's because good. dude, I'm where I'm at partially. Cause I grab, like I, I went to the church. I'm here on this podcast. Cause I left my family to, to go to that church where we met yeah. the first time in yeah. California. And so people are like, oh, well, I'm happy you came to that church. But yeah, you don't need to go to all the other ones. But what they don't realize is all my connections came from traveling the globe. Yeah. And and so I, that balance of of saying yes to as much as I could. And I have to provide for my family. I have to, you know, I, all those things. My wife wants a house. I want a house, you know. Um, and so early on, I, I, I drank a little bit of my, my own Kool-Aid. Sure. And, uh, and I traveled and I saw, and God did amazing things. I'm so grateful for it, but looking back, man, like I, I probably should have been gone maybe a hundred, 120 days a year, Wow. but I'm trying to cut my teeth and, and the, what you're taught is go places, get known, make a name for yourself, become big. Yes. And then later on in life, pick and choose. And that's accurate in one sense but it's not accurate in the biblical sense of serve. Um, Mm. Don't worry. God's got it. He he will provide for you. You don't have to do it for yourself. So balancing that has always been difficult for me. It still is today. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just being in the military, I could tell you like that kind of op tempo, operational tempo cannot be Mm. sustained for a long period of time. Like our special forces guys, people don't really know this. They think like they're out there just 24 seven getting it and they do, but they have shorter deployment cycles than the regular forces. Uh, a lot of times because yeah. their operations only require a little bit of time, but they need to like get back, get refit, get retrained, decompress before they go out again. Uh, so yeah, yeah. You, you you can't maintain that for that long. Um, before we get too ahead of ourselves, like you said, you started doing ministry, right? Um, mini- uh, really just traveling the world at 17. How did that come about? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not doing good in life. Uh, okay. Uh, senior in high school. I was uh, from about 12 on 12 to 17 drugs and anger and depression and suicidal thoughts and all the things. Yeah. 17, I had an empower, a power encounter with, with the Lord. Uh, the Holy spirit filled me and wrecked me. And wow. I, I ended up in a puddle on the floor weeping as I encountered the love of God for the first time. So everything, everybody preached me my whole life. It was a wow. bunch of bull uh, yeah. for uh, up to that point in my life. Yeah. And, and as soon as I had an encounter with Jesus and, and I encountered his love when he became real, I went all in. And, uh, and so senior year of high school, um, I, I started traveling anywhere that the evangelists where I, where I got saved at the meeting, I, anywhere yeah. he was speaking, I was there and I served him. And after six months, he was like, dude, you're like gum on my shoe. You're a lost <laughs> puppy. Follow me everywhere. Yeah. He said, but I like you come to Paraguay with me, went to Paraguay for a two week trip. And while I was there, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to move out here. 
so at 17, uh, the day my class was walking down the aisle uh, yeah. for graduation, I was uh, on a plane uh, to Paraguay when I lived there for a little less than three years. No way. And, so, what did your parents say? I'm just curious. They they loved it because my parents were believers, spirit-filled okay. believers. Okay. Um, and so that's all they wanted was for me to know the Lord. And then yeah. when I went full in, they, there was a season where they were like, you're screwing up your life. Cause I, w- <laughs> I went from screwing up my life to all I want is Jesus. I want to do everything he says. Yeah. Stop watching TV, mom and dad. Why are you watching TV when you can be reading the Bible? Like super zealous. Yeah. I still kind of agree with that today. Uh, <laughs> in some parts. Um, and, and, and like, well, what do you want to do with your life? Well, I want to follow Jesus. Well, all your friends are going to college. What are you going to do? So just navigating a little bit, that wasn't crazy, but not like I was going to go to college anyway. Uh, So it was a pretty, it was a pretty easy yes for my parents because they saw the transformation in my life. Okay. But it was, it was a challenge to leave home. Yeah. No, certainly. Did you even speak Spanish before you got to Paraguay? No, I failed Spanish one, three times in high school. (laughs) And the third time I got kicked out, they said it was sexually harassing the teacher, but it wasn't. I just made a very lewd uh, got it. Comment in class. I was not a good kid. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I ended up marrying a Paraguayan though. So uh, really deep inside of me. Yeah. I married a Latina. So I guess that, that you really, uh, got redemption there on those three failures oh, in Spanish. Cien por ciento. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So you, you were in Paraguay and you were like engaged in full-time ministry there. You met your wife mm-hmm. and then you guys moved, you moved back to the States. Actually, um, I moved back to the States. <coughs> I'm sorry. Uh, cause Randy, um, actually pause. I moved back to the States because the Lord spoke to me. Okay. Um, it, and <coughs> for those of you listening who <coughs> don't know what I mean, when I say that it was just, uh, for me, it wasn't his audible voice. It was this sense. I need to go back. Yeah. Um, my time there had been, was done. Um, and just following the direction of the Holy spirit, moved back home after being in revival for three, two and a half years, <clears throat> literally, uh, in- invited to the white house of Paraguay, um, ministering all over God, just skyrocketed me to back home, living with mom and dad at 19 and, uh, no church got a job delivering pizzas and started, <clears throat> started drinking again. And uh, that was my first time doubting myself wow. uh, and, and really started to spiral out of control. Um, and it wasn't until, I don't know, about a few months after I really went South, maybe okay. eight months I was at home. And I just said, I'm not, I know that if I continue on this track, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I'm going to really miss it. Yeah. So I called up Bethel. Uh, it was the second year of their school. And Chris Valentin answered the phone and, uh, and, and I said, I want to come to your school. He said, come on. And so wow. two weeks before I was making the drive out from Massachusetts, where I'm originally from, okay. uh, Randy Clark called me. And, and for those of you who are watching, don't know who Randy is. He's a itinerant uh, evangelist minister calls me up says, I heard what God was doing in your life in Paraguay. I want you to come and travel with me full time. And so I said no to Bethel and boom, went out to travel with Randy, which, which, which led me to the next phases of my, of my life. Okay. Okay. Wow. Wow. Just like that, man, to establish a, um, you really do establish your, 
authority, but then also, man, I'm thinking of the, trying to get the right word. Um, you establish your reputation on earth, you know, with, with God and with man, right. And, and somebody like Randy Clark just gets your phone number and says, Hey man, <laughs> Hey, 20 year old kid come with me. Yeah. What yeah, was that I was, like? I was, it was insane. Like the Pope could have called and I would have hung up on it. <laughs> you know, George, yeah. George Bush at the time could have called and I would have said no. Yeah, it was crazy. And the, the, what I, what I noticed was as I was faithful in the work that I was doing in Paraguay, I didn't yeah. know this, but the minister that I was with, he made me write like weekly reports, okay. the miracles. And I didn't know what he was doing with them, but they were going out to mm. a few people and ended up on the, the email of uh, Randy Clark. Wow. And so the whole time I'm in Paraguay, uh, Randy's reading this stuff. And in his mind, he's like, I want to raise up young dudes uh, into ministry. And it wasn't until almost a year eight months or a year after I moved back home that he actually reached out to me. It wasn't something that I did with my own hands. Yeah. It was something that the Lord had prepared for me. And, and honestly, um, a lot of times we miss that, that if we are obedient, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to be obedient to what he's calling and we don't know what he's working out, but yeah. behind the scenes as I'm struggling, you know, feeling like the Lord's abandoned me, he's got the greatest setup for me and it's right around the corner. That's good. And, uh, and I, and then, yeah, when it, when it happened, I jumped in with, with both feet and right. served Randy for gosh, three years, got married, uh, two years into serving Randy. And, uh, I had never dated, never kissed a girl. I was this weird, awkward kid in high school. And, uh, when I was in Paraguay, my wife was, was my trans was one of my translators. And, uh, and she's a little bit older than me, almost five years old, uh, five and a half years older than me. And so during that time in my life, it wasn't, I wasn't there. I was just passionate about the Lord. Plus there was this gorgeous yeah. older woman, you know, coming from high school that was unheard of. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, we reconnected, uh, when I was 21, got married a few months later and wow. then, uh, moved to Africa. <laughs> okay. We're going to go there because we just, we're traveling the world here. Why do you think there was that floundering period between you coming back uh, from from being on mission to and now you're at home, kind of in in limbo, trying to figure out what you're going to do, delivering pizzas? Like, why, why was there that period of like, I don't know if you felt like you were maybe reverting to something? You said you started kind of to drink some some more than maybe you would have wanted to. Not just more. Well, I was underage and okay. I oh, was yeah. just stealing, yeah, yeah. I was stealing booze from this uh, pizza place I was working at. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so not only was I drinking uh, underage, I was stealing, Yeah. you know, and it's, it's amazing because a lot of people think an encounter is what changes everything. And it does. Right. My encounter gave me passion and love, but I, I hadn't gone deep yet. Mm. And so I think the reason why it shook me and the reason why I struggled so much in that season is my identity was in what I was doing on the missions field. My identity was in uh, serving in that capacity. And when that was taken away, uh, I didn't know what to do. Plus I'm back with mom and dad. Like that was hard. You know, it was hard being back at home. It was hard, uh, having traveling, you know, to South America, learning other cultures, being on my own. And now I'm back with mom and dad have to get a job. All those things that were supposed to happen weren't happening. Um, the, the, uh, one of the reasons why I came home was because the evangelist I was working with, his name is Bob Bradbury. 
he said, I'll use you. We'll, we'll travel where we were doing a lot of work in the, in Paraguay. He was like, I'm going to start doing more stuff in the States. But when I landed, mm -hmm. he, he was like, I'm done with ministry for a season. He went, bought a race car in his sixties oh, wow. and started driving race cars. And I'm like left alone, you know? So my, my God. spiritual father is not doing the stuff that he told me he was going to do. I'm back at home living with mom and dad. I'm delivering pizzas. I have all of this. Like I literally met with the president, you know, and now yeah. I'm trying to get two bucks from high people, uh, mm. and, and get there on time. And that, that, that contrast of the two lifestyles, it threw me for a loop. I was immature. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's just where I, where, where I let my heart go yeah. in, in the middle of that. Where you, you and it wasn't the last time I've done that. Yeah. Okay. Where I, you I let, let your heart, heart go. go. That is, that is good. I mean, thank you for the ownership, right? Like that's what it takes. And yeah, I think, you know, what you said earlier was really important to point, to point back to, you know, you had an initial uh, transformative experience and moment with the Lord. And I think every single man here desires that. And, and here's why, like, obviously we, we want to be on mission, like uh, passionate for God, right. Become the man that we were created to be, but we always have this thought process, maybe intentionally and unintentionally that it's just a one-time thing. And then everything from there is like, boom, like if only I could just get that experience and then everything in my life will be taken yeah. care of, you know, and I'll be yeah. fine. Doesn't seem to be the case. huh? No, no. And I think it's really dangerous. Like I, this is just as I'm, I'm still in my, I'm 39. So yeah. as I've gotten older, raised kids have stepped into more of a leadership role. You know, I think that being retrospective about everything is dangerous, right? I sure. think a lot of us, we can look back at the golden years and go, Oh, it was like this. That was good. It's mm -hmm. not like this. This is not good. Yeah. And that's very dangerous. Uh, I think, I think, I think it's useful if it, if, if it, if it causes you to lean into Jesus more, right? Like, mm. but, but I think it can be very dangerous to just be not retrospective isn't the word. What's, you know, looking back it, at the uh, glory introspective days. Or, oh no, no, not. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I get you, you guys know what I'm trying yeah. to say. It's like when I was in high school, I could throw a football uh, across the field, you know, right. and, and I don't have that. Now I'm working or I'm in the middle, you know, whatever it is, mm -hmm. I don't have what I used to have. And I think that that is very, very dangerous. And that was part of, me growing and trying to learn how to navigate this. We cannot, we cannot look back and try to regain that. I think yeah. it's very, very, very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So you, you meet this beautiful woman or you already met her, but now you married her yeah. and mm -hmm. you decided the next best thing was to move to Africa. Yeah. Um, wow. so when I, when I started traveling with Randy is when I met, uh, Dr. Heidi Baker. Okay. And I heard her speak. And so I, I'm so sorry, like everything you're asking me, I feel like I need to like explain you a little bit, to. but I'll yeah, try to absolutely. keep this quick. But so for me, I started traveling the globe, uh, and I was traveling with Randy all over the world, yeah. uh, serving him. And I got to a point where I had everything that I dreamt about, right? For, like you said, Randy Clark calls me, mm -hmm. he wants me to travel. You think that that will keep you happy. Yeah. And it doesn't, it, 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 huh. it, you go off the initial happiness for six months, a year, maybe. Um, but then it gets real life. It's a job. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing. And then for me, my heart was, 
the Holy Spirit touches you and you go and give your life away. Right. Yeah. That's what I've done in my own life. And when I was praying for people preaching, <clears throat> the only perspective I had was you encounter the Holy Spirit, you're all in. And when I started to see the church was, I want to encounter, encounter the Holy Spirit, but I'm not going all in. I just want it for myself. That started to tear me up inside. Wow. And I started to get disillusioned uh, with the charismatic movement at that moment. Uh, and it, and it, it was hard to go preach my guts out and then watch the Lord touch people, transform people, come back six months later, go back a year and see him line up asking for the same thing all over again. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it created tension in my life where I was like, when, when, so Heidi Baker comes in the picture, she's doing all the things that I love, but she's, she's going on the missions field and doing that. Yeah. yeah. And I said, and if it works with her, uh, I, I need to be able to go and I want to go and serve that and not just go from church to church, to church, to church, to church, yeah. lining them up and praying, praying and prophesying over people. For those who and don't know yes. who Heidi Baker is, like what, what was she doing at this time? What were you seeing? So Heidi and Roland were missionaries at a young age. Um, they moved to Mozambique after reading a Time magazine article. Is that in Georgia? On, on, is that Mozambique? Is that? It is. Yeah. Next to Atlanta? Uh, below. Uh, yeah. Right, right there. Uh, <laughs> no. So they, they were getting their doctorates, doctorate, doctorates uh, in the UK. Yeah. They, they read an article in Time that said Mozambique is the most dangerous nation in the world. And they, they went there. Huh. Um, that was actually how they ended up in Mozambique. I don't know if you know that. No. Oh, um, wow. And they, they started their work, taking in kids, doing all this stuff, but it wasn't going well. In 1994, they went to Toronto, received a baptism of the Holy Spirit, went back, and it exploded. So currently over 5,000 churches planted. We're in 80 different wow. locations. Uh, at the time that I came on, it was a smaller work. Uh, it was right at that time of, of growth in the ministry. But seeing, seeing, um, hearing the stories and seeing the life and hearing Heidi and Roland's message, it captivated my, my heart. I said, that's, that is real. It doesn't just work in a church. It works in the poor in the war zones. And I want to go and, and serve that and give my life to that. And so yeah. at 20 to, to 21, I was married eight months. We moved 22, maybe 21, 22 yeah. moved to Mozambique, which is right above it's in Africa. It's above South Africa on the Eastern coast. So South Africa, Mozambique, if you look at Madagascar, Madagascar mm -hmm. kind of floats parallel to Mozambique. Wow. Yeah. So you got, you, how long were you there for? About three years. Three uh, my years. first two Whoa. kids were born there. And then <laughs> we, we faced another kind of time of crisis in our marriage. And my wife was experiencing postpartum. Okay. And and so I came home, we're, we're in the middle of serving, seeing the gospel got to unreached people groups, pioneering a new work in Mozambique. But yet I right. come home and I'll never forget the time I came home. My wife's like, I thought about killing myself today. I was like, you know, wow. what do you, you know, what do you do with that? Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I felt like the Lord said, it's time, it's time to go back home and wow. build a foundation for your family and build a foundation for your ministry. And so we did, we moved yeah. to North Carolina and just died just died in North Carolina. It was, it was another one of those really? like pizza, pizza seasons, right? Okay. This, okay. This culmination of all this amazing stuff. And then now I'm home, we have no money. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we lived, we moved into our friend's garage. It was a nice garage, yeah. uh, but we moved into the garage and lived there 
and tried to tried to get going in the itinerant again, traveling and preaching around. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was a very well-known evangelist, young guy um, that fell right at that moment um, and had a pretty massive falling. And all of a sudden, nobody wanted young uh, charismatic really? ministers oh. to come. So I had a whole year canceled on me of speaking and engagements, which is how I was supporting my family. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up getting a job at Lowe's selling the lawnmowers, living in a, we moved into a 500 square foot house, two babies. My life was falling apart. I couldn't do the thing that I felt like I was called to do. <laughs> and yeah, I got a job at Lowe's selling lawnmowers. <laughs> oh, well, this is awesome. I, I didn't expect us to land here or to be here because this is the roller coaster that us guys, right? We, we battle with, and we think there's something wrong with me. I was doing so good at this one point, right? Reminiscing. Is that the word that you were trying to yeah, get to? That's before? the word reminiscing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank you. Sorry. Thank you, ADD sir. came in. Okay. You're welcome. Yeah, no, I get uh, it. We're sitting here like reminiscing of the good old glory days, right? Like, Oh, we yeah. were doing so good. And then wait, hold yep. on. Why am I in a Valley? Wait, things are different. What's going on? God, where yep. are you? You just had me yeah. here. What? And you start to question your faith. Yeah. You start to question, like, was all of that even real? Yeah. I had somebody offer me a million dollars when we moved back from Mozambique. Uh, they, they had heard that we moved back and they said, oh, we, we, we want to, I have four wealthy businessmen. They're all going to throw in a quarter of a million. They want to give you a million dollars to start a base in Thailand, which is where oh. I wanted to go after, okay. after Mozambique. But as I prayed about it, the Lord very clearly said, no, don't do it. Um, and so even knowing that, right. So you have these opportunities, right. You're trying to be obedient, but just nothing. And my marriage, my marriage, that, that was the first season where, uh, where we really saw our marriage tank. So not only no money living in a garage, you know, yeah. we moved into a 500 square foot house, no ministry, yeah. uh, the thing that I was doing. And then on top of it, my marriage was, was falling apart and mm-hmm. my wife was struggling with postpartum. Yeah. Um, so you just going, what the heck? Like, what, what the heck do I have to do, God? I've done it all. I've been obedient. I've served. I've, I've gone everywhere you said, and I've done it well. And where are you? And he never talks in those times. <laughs> At least to me, he doesn't <laughs> seem to talk. And yeah, of course, we saw the miraculous. We saw his provision in the middle of all of it. But it was just enough to get us by. It was like just enough to get us another couple of weeks. Sure. And then all of a sudden I got a call from a, a prophet and he said, has Randy Clark called you again? Has, has Randy Clark called you? And for me, I said, I would never go back to that world. And I told him that on the phone. I said, dude, you're crazy. And yeah. uh, it took about a month. Randy called me and he said, I, I want you to come back and I want to bring you on as an itinerant evangelist for our organization. And I want to begin to raise you up to eventually become the, heir, uh, a parent of global awakening. And so I went from literally selling lawnmowers at Lowe's to now back at the, with a seat at the table. Not only that, the platform, Randy's platform. And then that's when the film came out. I, I shot the film, film comes out and boom. Um, I spent the next eight years of my life traveling the globe, yeah. uh, preaching all over the world. <laughs> And sometime in there is where I met you. And wow. Wow. That is fantastic. Let me ask you this, man. When you 
think back on all of the men that took you under their wing that, you know, mm-hmm. you rubbed elbows with and that really were able to, to either place a mantle on you or just like shed some of the things off of them. Did you feel like there were, there was intentional fathering? Um, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? So, and this is so important. Uh, I, I spoke at a woman's conference today over zoom and I taught, I taught, I taught the principal I'm about to share okay. uh, to a bunch of ladies, a bunch of 40 and 50 year old ladies. Um, Bob. So Bob was the guy whose ministry I got saved under. I served him in Paraguay. He would go back and forth. Bob, like he bought a race. He bought a sprint car in yeah. the sixties and was like, I'm going to race cars. Now they called him the fastest priest in the East. Bob was a fisherman from Cranston, Rhode Island. Okay. So he was a rough, tough dude. He was not, he was a Peter in every way, shape and form. Yeah. Um, And he got saved late in his life. And then it was only a few years later that he heard, this is Bob. Bob heard as he was driving around, he became a deacon of his church, like head deacon of his church. He shouldn't have been. He ticked none of the boxes, Um, but he became head deacon of like a Lutheran or Methodist church. I forget which one was, but nothing uh, that flowed in the things of spirit. He's driving around one day and he's like, he listens on Christian radio and said, there's this revival in Toronto. Don't let it come to your church. If it comes to your church, Satan's going to enter. And he's like, that's not going to go to my church. He goes home, drives nine hours, nine hours to Toronto to go shut the whole thing down. Like that's who he was. Wow. He was not a soft, uh, he was like, Oh, there's an issue. I'm going to take care of it. And I'll tell you right to your face yeah. that it's your fault. And if you challenge me, we're going to, we're going to go fisticuffs out in the parking lot. That was Bob. Right. Um, and so he gets saved, transformed on his visit to go shut it down. The Holy spirit falls on him. That's how he <laughs> enters into ministry. Okay. And, and so Bob was rough. Bob couldn't preach one of my jobs in serving him was I would take the pre printed messages from another pastor. They're like, Bob, you can't preach, man. And when you do, it's totally not good. And it's not the word. And, you know, cause he was just preaching from his experiences. Yeah. His first message, he took a fishing net and threw it on the, on the altar. He was like, Hey, there's going to be fish coming in. Who wants to learn how to clean fish with the Holy ghost? Like that was his message. And this, so this was the guy that I, that I traveled with. Yeah. He did not have any kids. Okay. Um, it was just him and his wife. They'd been married years. Um, so when I came into his life, uh, he took me on as a son, a real son. I'm not like, and, and I don't, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this publicly, but like he wrote me into his will. Wow. Like when he, when him and Susie passed, um, we got, I got an inheritance that didn't belong to me. Wow. So like when we talk about fathering, you got to define it. Bob fathered. He actually became another father. Now I have a great father. I have a great relationship Mm -hmm. with my father. My dad's a carpenter. Like I didn't need another father. Sure. Right. Cause I had a, and I still do. My dad's amazing, but I needed someone that could yell at me that, Mm -hmm. that would tell me what was what, but also um, give me, free reign to grow and become who God was calling me to become. And yeah. that, that 100% was Bob. So I learned tenacity from Bob. I learned yeah. honesty, Bob, Bob, 
like here, here's, here's a conversation I had with Bob one day. Is this okay? Do I yeah, hundred percent. I'm in Paraguay. We, we finished a meeting up, Bob. We're like, God moved. We're all like worshiping. And Bob spins around in the car and he goes, if anybody ever hurts you or your family, do not call the cops. <laughs> like just randomly says this Straight to face. me. <laughs> yeah. And Bob was like, either he was like, he was probably part of like some organized group, whether it was the FBI or something else. He was yeah. a part of an organized group for years. And he's like, do not call the cops. And I was like, you know, I'm like, why Bob? Why would you even say that? That doesn't even make sense. Why would you say, don't call the cops? And he's like, shh, put it in the freezer. And I'm like, I don't even know what he's talking about. I'm, I'm 18, 17. I go, Bob, put what in the freezer? What are you talking about? And he goes, shh, shut up, boy. Put it in the freezer. You call me. That's so And funny. here's the deal. Like, I don't know what that means to this day, uh, but, but that's who he was, right? Like he was anointed. He was, yeah. he was one of the most amazing men, but he was rough around the edges. And I am a better man because yeah. I watched Bob pick a pastor up by his shirt once and pin him up to the, to the wall with one arm. Like he was, he was like fisherman jacked. Right. Yeah. So like, that was my spiritual father. I had a father that was soft and loving and great and strong and powerful and used his hands. But then when Bob came in, Bob gave me the, the shut up boy, go to work. Mm. Like, I don't care. Don't tell me, don't show me the, don't tell me about the delivery. Show me the baby. Like that was Bob. Mm. And, and I got that from him. So I was fathered. Um, I was fathered by him in a way that my father didn't bring. And, yeah. but I was also truly fathered in the sense that he owned me. Like yeah. he, he's like, you're my boy. And That's if you beautiful. ever have an issue, you call me, I'll send, I'll send somebody to take care of it. And when he died, I felt alone for the first time in my life. That's the fathering, right? Wow. So like, that's real fathering, full of issues, full of, full of, you know, full of issues. But I didn't mind that. Yeah. Uh, at all. A lot of people think that if you, if you're, if you're to be fathered or if you're to father, you got to be perfect. Bob mm. was far from perfect, but he was anointed and he loved me and he gave me, he gave me everything that he had. Yeah. And so when we talk about discipleship, when we talk about raising up a generation, it cannot be done from a textbook. It has to be in real relationship. Yes. And, and what, yeah. what, what these, what you all carry is something powerful but you think it has to look like the church. You, have, you think it has to look like um, softness. It doesn't. Like we actually need strong men raising up strong men, yeah. right? Strong disciples raising up strong disciples. And it, when I read the stories uh, of the apostles, I, I read them through a different lens than I used to when I was a little kid because I knew Bob. Bob was a fisherman. And Bob was not a slacker and he yeah. was tough. And so when I read the stories of like, I don't know, like Jesus, like get behind me, Satan. Jesus says that to Peter. Like imagine you walk up to half the people, not even you walk up to 99% of the people and, and, and you call them Satan. I am offended. Right. At like you. Yeah. <laughs> they will freak out and quit. And go, I don't even know if God loves me anymore. Like Bob took a swing at me one day he took a swing at me during service, yeah. you know, because I stepped on his infected toe. It was just what was inside of me. <laughs> but I, I actually needed that. I needed that in my life. I needed yeah, someone. Yeah. I'll never forget the day. He's like, boy, you're getting too big for your britches. 
He's like, you're full of pride. Ooh. And I wasn't like, I was just like 17, 18. I was just trying to figure <laughs> out, but honestly it stuck with me. And uh-huh. that voice comes back into my head when I'm standing on a platform in front of 80,000 people or a thousand people last week or whatever, like don't get yeah. too big for your britches. And that's it's good. stuff like that, that so many men, this is for men, right? Yeah. So absolutely. many men carry that. So many men carry that and they don't value that because we've made, we've made Christianity be soft, mm. but it is not soft. Our hearts need to be soft, but our lives need to be like crushing it. We need to, we are not made to live in a pew on a padded pew, you know? And yeah, and yeah. anyway, I don't know what I could go on and on, but. I, I really like that idea, you know, cause I, I battle with that. The idea that like Jesus is calling me to be soft and gentle, but like, I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be a protector and a provider, like, but I'm supposed to like love and worship, but I'm also supposed to like show up here aggressively. And you, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a dichotomy that mm-hmm. when you, I, you know, Aristotle did really good at explaining like the vices, like it's a vice to be too much on one side and a vice to be too much on the other. Right. It's it, you want to find that middle ground um, and be able to be really good at dancing that line and be in tune as to understanding what is yeah. needed in what situation and season. Danny DeVito and whatever, John Jones, right. I don't know if you got any UFC fans out there. They're both men. Yes. <laughs> but you got two different sides of the spectrum there, you know? Oh, yeah. And I think one thing is there is a diversity. Uh, in, in, in what it is to be a a dude, right? There's, there's total diversity, but at the end of the day, man, we're called, we're, we're, we are all called men, women, children, we are called to serve. So Aristotle, I love your point about Aristotle. The, the reality is even if you just look at Jesus in the new, in the new Testament, you look at him saying, come bring the, bring the children to me. And he would sit with them. And then you see in revelation, sword, mouth, blood, stained, soaked Jesus running around massacring people in the worst horror movie you've ever seen. That's all Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And people have a hard time going, mm-hmm. I like this Jesus. This Jesus freaks me out. It's all him. And, and, and we need to realize that there's a time to be soft. And then there's a time to be, to run forward. There's I've been, I've been around now 20, 22 years in two days. I've been saved. Okay. I've seen all of the wild at hearts, the Mark Driscoll's who I love. I've seen all of the like, dude, put you up by the bootstraps. And like, honestly, they need to be broken. Mm-hmm. Like they need to, they need to weep in front of Jesus. Yeah. And I've seen a bunch of dudes that are like, I'm the prophetic dance leader and I'm <laughs> blending oils. And I'm like, dude, you need to like go and like work yourself out on the field yeah, and like actually see like, get some dirt on your nails and build something. Mm-hmm. You know, have you mm-hmm. built something brother or are you just doing something else? Like Jesus is in all of it. And we need to know Jesus knew when to be gentle. He knew yeah. when to be strong. He knew when to disciple. He knew when to multiply food and provide. He knew when to bring a hard word. Uh, he, he is the model. Yeah. And uh, whenever I get around these groups, they're just like, Oh, it's, you know, men need to be men you know, and like, I love that because I, I lean into that, but sometimes those guys need to be broken. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think, I think, I think we need to realize he is in all of it. And it is our job as followers of Jesus to get deep in the word, understand you know, humility and timidity are two different things, mm. right? 
um, and, and realize that there's a time to, to, to fall in, in any of those different places in that spectrum. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and we'll make a ton of mistakes along the way. Exactly. And that's okay. Exactly. And, and that maybe is the place where I would want to stop and put a huge banner on and like remind every guy, like mistakes are okay. Pointing back to your experiences, man, where you like, you go from this, like you are crushing it with your life's purpose and mission. And it's like, then you're kind of like, you find yourself floundering and dealing with a lot of things that maybe you didn't even think you would even be dealing with. Right. Because there, you, again, pointing back to your own words, like there are no textbooks, right. For this it's messy. It's supposed to be messy. It's okay that it's messy, right? Like Jesus is in it all. Like it, it, you can invite him into it. And the things that you thought are just secular or are like separate, like, no, he's in that walk that you're taking into the woods. He's into that, the deer yeah. that you missed last week when you were bow hunting and he's in the middle of it when, when you're, you know, holding your kids and on your lap and it's awkward. Oh, Oh, what is that? <laughs> just stroke as you're talking, man. I just felt like for the guys that get, deer hide. Yeah. For the, yeah, for the guys not watching the video, I, that's a pretty nice deer hide, man. Yeah, like, dude, I got them. I got you can't see them, but I got stuff hanging all, over all around. Yeah, man, yeah. It, it's just there's not going to be a textbook. So for the guys that are waiting, right, for the 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 impactful moment where the Lord is going to just transform your life from one day to the next. And, and you are never going to ever deal with doubt, with fatigue, ever deal with any form of doubting, you know, your identity and who you are. And if you, what you're doing even matters, like, I'm sorry, bro. That's, yeah. that's not really what you're after, you know? And, and Will, I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. Like my generation where, I mean, I think you're, you're still part of my generation, man. I'm sorry. Um, I'm the back you. end of it. I'm 29. Um, okay. So you kind of fall in there. Like the Amazon prime generation we are we're not doing too hot in like delayed gratification processes, waiting for things in the right time, really putting in the work to get things. Like if I want a new dishwasher, I'm not going to fix the one that I have right now. Like I'll just get rid right. of it and just buy a new one. You know, I think, I think we need to be careful on how we label, label things. I, I, so I would agree. Yes, there is, there is an issue with the younger generation, Sure, but there's never been a generation that has had, that has is, that hasn't had issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I actually I and this is me glass half full. I choose to look at the ingenuity. Yeah. yeah, they might they might throw away a dishwasher instead of fixing it. But we're not living in that world anymore. We have to call up the seals catalog and order a part. We're actually living in a different world. Yeah, than what we used to. And 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 so what is more important is learning how to navigate the current world. Yeah, I got Amazon. I got I got a box sitting on my desk right here. Like I, I, we need to learn how to navigate with all of the opulence, with all of the blessings. How do we navigate and maintain that heart of passion and deal the Lord? Cause each, each generation, you know, you talk about generation world war two, you know, much better than I do, but they faced a whole bunch of issues that we didn't face. Yeah. The, the, the crew that came back from Vietnam, the, they, that the whole, the whole uh, rhetoric was you got this hippie generation. They don't, you know, they don't love America. And then you have this other group that's like going to fight and give their lives away. Yep. And, and even the conversation around those two generations, there's always going to be conversation. Yeah. And, and the things that, that we are saying maybe about our generation, people said about the hippies, but that's the reality is Jesus fell, fell on the hippie generation. In fact, it was the Jesus movement. Most yeah. of the, most of the well, vineyard church, uh, Calvary chapel, 
all that. There was a Jesus movement that yeah. spread across America. And a lot of us, maybe, I don't know about you, because uh, uh, you, you said you were born in the Dominican Republic, but a lot of the a lot of the churches, man, their parents came and got saved in the Jesus movement. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so I just think there's always going to be things. There's always going to be cultural things. Uh, but, and we need to learn how to navigate it well, but also see the Lord is in the middle of each and every one. Yes. Uh, we just can't be so set in our ways and be like, Oh, it used to be this way. You know, guys, guys used to know how to work so hard. Yeah. They don't know how to work that hard, but guess what? They know how to put your message online and get in front of millions of people. When you used to spend your whole life praying for a satellite dish, you know, to come yeah, now yeah. that generation in, in, in a moment, they can put, put yourself in front of a million people. And, and so I, I, I look at it both ways. I, I, maybe, I don't know if that, if that answers your question. I, I think you just challenged my thought. Um, and I have to agree with you that is, that is a really good point um, that you brought up. And I, I appreciate that because I, I'm seeing like a, maybe the heart of David, right. Or no, I'll say the opulence of David to, to use one of the words that you use. Like we have to be able to navigate today with the type of leisure that a King like David would have had back then. But we now need to work on the heart, you know, to be able to navigate with all of that and do right. Like from my phone, I can get Uber eats, uh, talk to a thousand people in a second, send all these messages, get something from Amazon. And like, these are a King's acts, right? But then now it's, you know, do you act like the King that you, you know, that you live out as, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah totally. I, yeah. I preached to, I don't know, I did a conference this morning. I had this today. I had things all day. I did it all from the comfort of my home. I mm. used to have to get on a plane and leave my family yeah. and put stress on my body to go and do that. I don't have to do that right now. So I, I just think each generation has issues Amen. and, and at the end of it all, we all have to fall on our face in front of the Lord. We go. have to humble ourselves and we have to serve. David served Saul. You, and you brought up David, David served Saul. Yeah. And, and he had spears thrown at him as he was serving him. Like in our service, we're going to have spears thrown at us. We're going to have difficulties that's not the issue. The issue is what's the heart of David. Mm. Does he have the ability to continue on and serve in the middle of it? Does he have the character? And so there's always going to be stuff. There's yeah. always going to be reasons why we can look at a generation or people gonna be like, they don't have this, they should, they should have this. But the reality is all we need to do is, is serve, serve well and good. keep our face in front of the Lord and get in the word and let that shape us because that is the only that's timeless his word is timeless yeah and uh and yeah so that never changes